Just remember, Jesus warned, in the last days, false prophets will rise. For all you know, you're sitting next to one. Now, now we laugh at that, but He said they would rise among you. Now, I'm not, I'm not delivering some kind of negative prophecy, but we need to understand. It doesn't matter who you are in the body of Christ. Every single one of us has the potential to become one of those false prophets. Because if it's possible, even the very elect will be deceived. I cannot emphasize to you enough. Pray in the Spirit. Feed the Word into you. Listen to sermons by people who can be trusted. There are too many Christians out there who are not doing this. And it can sound really good, but in the long run, it's not. It'll take you away. It'll divert you. It'll. All it takes is one, just one, little bit of wrong doctrine that you embrace. And that little leaven begins leavening everything. And I've known people that's happened to, they embrace something that's wrong, and it begins to impact so much more of what they used to believe. They end up way off on a tangent. And in some cases, things they used to believe, it's like, well, no, I don't believe that anymore. Don't ever think it can't happen to you. I mean, this is for me too now. This is why we have to stay in the Word and with the right kind of teaching. Um, You know, if you don't do it, you're kind of setting yourself up to be possibly led astray. So anyhow, um, you know, I just like God's really been dealing with us here lately in the area of worship. And that's going to be continuing. But there are people out there who don't believe that it's really all that critical. It's really all that important. Uh, you know, I remember somebody one time visited one of our services and the way they described it afterward. Now, it wasn't somebody, you know, who I think it was their, their first time here. What, anyway, this is somebody supposed to believe in God. And uh, anyway, they uh, they described one of our services as controlled chaos. Yeah. Like, well, okay. I don't know what you're used to. But I have a feeling when it's all said and done and we're all together with the Lord, all those who have been redeemed, I think it's going to resemble controlled chaos. Not disorder, but holy order in the freedom of praise and worship before God. And he is going to love every minute of it. Don't be surprised if 
when you get there, when we all get there, if we don't see Jesus, how, how is it they say it? Cut a rug. You, you know what that means, don't you? Dance. There's a place in Scripture where it talks about Him dancing. Now, I'm not going to teach on that tonight, but it's in there. Of course, you know, who wants to believe that when you watch all the movies about Jesus and, you know, He's kind of out there <laughs> in, in some of the movies, you know. But God, in fact, in Scripture, in the Old Testament, there's a passage where it talks about God rejoicing over us. So, you know, I think that we should take this whole thing of worship far more seriously than maybe what we have in the past. I've said this so many times before. I'm saying it again. You're going to hear it probably again. Get past your flesh. Get past your flesh. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be up here running and all this other. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that. But get past your flesh to where it's comfortable for you to raise your hands. You say, well, you know, but I, I've been dealing with problems with my shoulders. All right, well, you know what? You can do a little bit. I mean, something. But for all you know, that little something might be the breakthrough you need for the healing to manifest in your shoulders. We've had report. I mean, it's been said. During the praise and worship, healing manifested in my body. So, yeah, you know, it can happen. And all the glory goes to Jesus. You know, last Wednesday, I had a, a message I shared with you entitled, Will You Follow the Praise Pattern? And in that message, I read to you a lot from the book of Psalms having to do with praising and, you know, worshiping God. And the one thing to keep in mind is that nothing in the book of Psalms was written by a person who was born again. So all of this was written by people, and David wasn't the only one who wrote the Psalms. There are other contributors, and sometimes they're identified. But, you know, they wrote that out of a soulish relationship with God. They weren't born again. And when you read the Psalms, there are times when it almost comes across as though these people had to have been born again. I mean, there's no way you could write this. Well, they wrote it by inspiration of God. And they wrote it out of their love for Him and their soul. And yet they weren't born again. But we are. And so if we're going to follow that praise pattern, then we need to take it to heart and do what it says. And apply it. You know, it's really kind of interesting how that um, there's some people... Christians, they seem to have this idea that what you read back then in the Old Testament is not really applicable for us today. And yet, you get into the Psalms and you read these things, it's like, well, how do, how do you figure? I mean, what's it saying? You, you need to understand the prophetic nature of what it says. Well, then this past Sunday night, you know, at the beginning of uh, the service, the Lord moved and there was a prophecy given. And then during, well, there was a slight break in there where I was sharing a little bit. And 
In that, I read to you two prophecies that had to do with worship. Now, those are available for download at the website. And I shared with you uh, last week how that on Sunday nights, instead of the 30 minutes of prayer, sometimes we're going to have some worship. Well, that happened in a big way, you know, Sunday night. And when you add up all the time that we were worshiping the Lord, I'm talking about when the, when the pre-service worship ended to the time that we were saying goodbye, you know, see you Wednesday night. If you add up all that time, it came out to almost you know, like an hour and a half. Almost an hour and a half. Praise God. And, uh, you know, to God be the glory for that, man, because it was wonderful. You don't program things like that. One of the things that used to impact me a lot is when people would say things like, well, I remember back, you know, the church that I attended, oh, we'd have praise and worship for at least an hour before the preaching started. Like, okay, well, and? I mean, what are you saying? Are you saying that to try to tell me that we don't know what we're doing here? What's the message behind that? Are you just bragging? Or are you just making conversation? I don't know. Because sometimes I think people measure the effectiveness of their worship by its length. Do you understand what I mean? And that doesn't cut it. Because if it's not from the heart... You know, God even talked about that in Scripture. He said, these people worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So you can have a four-hour worship service and people's hearts aren't in it. Then you, you know what? It's not there. There's another place in Scripture where it talks about, you know, uh, these people, you know, worship me in vain, which is amazing. How can you worship God in vain? Because you're not in it. Because your heart is not in it. Now, yeah, there can be a little bit of benefit to that, but where we're headed in this is a place where we've never been. You know, when the Jews left Egypt, in fact, I'll tell you what, turn over to Exodus 14. When the Jews left Egypt, not one person among them knew what it was like to live outside the dominion of Egypt. They didn't know what a promised land was. All they had was a prophecy. That was it. They didn't have pictures. They didn't have um, people who said, you know, well, when you get there, you're going to find this and that and that and the other. They didn't know. Because none of them had been there. So, all they had to go by was a promise from God. And when they got there, they realized, hey, God wasn't lying. It is everything He said. Well, yeah, they had to fight some enemies that the enemies wanted to keep them out. But see, they still, they they won that victory. When it comes to this whole aspect of praise and worship, there are promises in Scripture about praise and worship, especially in the book of Psalms. 
Now, those are promises. And we read those, and sometimes it just seems like, you know, well, how poetic. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that wonderful? Well, bless David's heart for writing that. But when you look at it prophetically, you begin to see this is a promise for, I mean, if he was going to do it for people who weren't even born again, guys, how much more for us, his spiritual children, born spiritually of his life. So what we have are promises about what is waiting for us when we get into that place of praise and worship where His glory is manifesting in a way that we've never seen, never experienced. And I'm not talking about seeing some kind of a cloud come down. I mean, if that happens, that happens. I'm talking about His presence. You say, well, well, tell me about His presence. I can't tell you about His presence at that level because I've never been there. All I can tell you is, here's what He promised. Here's what he said he would do. Here's what he said it would be like. That's all I can tell you. Well, when Israel came out of Egypt, God took them to a place to where they thought, you know, great, now we're going to die. You know, Red Sea. And God said, no, you're not going to die. He said, Moses, stretch out your rod. So he did. And waters parted. The people went across on dry land. And once they got across, Pharaoh and his army, they're chasing after them. But the waters went back over Pharaoh and his army. Destroyed them. Now, we're going to pick this story up in Exodus 14, verse 26. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned, and covered the chariots, and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Do you understand what this is? There were dead bodies everywhere. That's disgusting. That is gross. And you and I both know a few days later what it was going to smell like around there. So I'm glad... I'm sure they were glad. Keep marching. (laughs) Keep marching. Well, in verse 31, when Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared, and the Lord believed, and, and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now, right after they have crossed over, and the Egyptians have been wiped out, right after this event has taken place, as soon as they're across, chapter 15 takes place. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing it to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. 
The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the seas. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the soil, my spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid, sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Philistia, when the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, or then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone, till thy people pass over. O Lord, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in, and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Do you realize all of this is a song? It's not just what we're reading here as words. This is what they sang. Now, you look at it and you think, okay, now wait a second. You're telling me that as soon as they got across, Moses looked out and said, all right, everybody, get out your hymnals. Turn to number 38. Let's all sing. <laughs> okay, you know, we have made a song out of this. Not us here, but there. how many of you remember, I will sing unto the Lord, for he had triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider thrown into the sea. Remember that one? How many of you don't remember that? Raise your hand. Oh, you lost people. Oh, it was a real, it was a real up-tempo, clap your hands, get with it, shout, celebrate, be happy, and, and so on song. Um, yeah, it was a great song. Those of you that don't know it, well, maybe someday. But it says, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. Well, how did they do it? Okay, there's a way of singing that is very, uh, well, it's, uh, it's popular, popular, traditional among the Jewish culture. 
it, even to this day, it still uh, happens. And when I kind of replicate it here for you, you're going to say, oh, okay, I get it. So now, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, so here's what, what how would it happen? Moses may have been standing up, you know, on a rock or something in front of all the people. And he would have said something like, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. And then the people would repeat, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed. You, you understand what I'm And you've all heard something like that. And uh, sometimes they would get real fancy with it. The horse and his rider thrown into the sea. And then the people, the horse and his rider thrown into the sea. Okay. <laughs> and that's called, oh, what's, um, there's a term for that, and I should have written it down, but I didn't. Anyway, there's a term for that kind of singing. Well, that's how this would have been done. Because it's not like they had time to write this song. <laughs> okay? So, this is what you might referred to as a prophetic declaration of a work of God put to song. Because he stood up and declared, and he's singing it, and then they would repeat it back. Now, here's what's interesting. You can go online, go to YouTube, and uh, Google Jewish Song of the Sea, and you will pull up people to this day singing this. And it's really interesting. I watched uh, one video clip of it, and the lady was singing it in the Hebrew. And it was really cool listening to that. The point I'm getting at is this is what they did. And what we have right here is really the first example in the Bible of uh, like lengthy praise and worship. Because it would have taken a while for them to go through all of this. And it wasn't like once they got through with it, they all said, Amen, and then sat down. (laughs) No, man, these people would have been celebrating. I mean, it was party time. They were having a, and then we're talking here, uh, you know, about Miriam, and they had the timbrels and with the dances and so forth. These people were celebrating. And they probably would have gone over this again and again and again and singing and shouting and having a great old time. Who knows how many hours this would have lasted. All we have is a documentation of the essence of what happened that day. This is very critical for us today, and here's why. This worship that we see in here was spontaneous. It was not pre-planned. But it came from the heart. This is why when we have those times of what we call free worship or spontaneous worship, it's just as critical today as it was back then. The difference is we can also add in singing in the Spirit, something they could not do. But in singing with the understanding, this kind of spontaneous worship, we can do it today the same way they did. We won't do it in that repetition manner, but we still do it. We make our own music, our own song unto the Lord. And there are a lot of people, in fact, we had somebody here one time attending one of our conferences. And, uh, you know, uh, Kathy was leading the praise and worship. We got to that place where everybody was singing, you know, the, like the free worship. And that person apparently had never experienced that. This was a person who pastored for a long, long time. 
And apparently that person had never experienced anything like that, was having a difficult time explaining it. Uh, when he was talking with me after the service, he said, man, you know, I really like that there at the end when, when you were just, when the people were, you know, uh, singing when they were, and I knew what he was talking about. And he, he just thought that was amazing. That was incredible. Well, it is. But there are a lot of churches that won't do that. And sadly, there are a lot of Christians who won't do it either. Because as long as you put the words up on the screen, buddy, everything's cool. But when it comes time to release it, just out of your heart, just do it. That's when a lot of folks get challenged. But here we see an example of this happening. Now, I was doing some research on the foundation, if you will, of what we might call praise and worship relative to the, um, the Jews. I'm not too concerned about what other cultures did. <laughs> but the Jews, this is where it started. So as I was doing this, uh, what I found out, and it's obvious, what I'm getting ready to share with you is very obvious. You can't find anywhere in Scripture where it states uh, in these words, praise and worship was a vital component in Jewish culture. Right? You don't see that in there. But when you do research on Jewish culture, you're going to find out that is exactly what was going on. In fact, the book of Psalms, that is a book, essentially, it is a book of hymns that they sing or that they did. In fact, today, to this day, many Jewish synagogues still sing the book of Psalms. Now, they may sing it in Hebrew, but they still sing it. It was extremely critical as far as uh, the, the entire Jewish lifestyle is concerned. Now, look over in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. If you have a marker, put it there because we'll come back to it a little bit later on. I'm going to give you a moment to turn over there because I want you to see this. And it looks like everybody's probably there or close to it. Matthew chapter 26. Now, this is right before Jesus gets arrested and then crucified. So we look here in verse 17. It says, Now the first day of the feast of unleavened, unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? So this is talking about, when it says that, you know, the day of the feast, it's talking about the Passover feast, the Passover celebration. So we jump down to verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom." And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Now, Jesus knows what's coming. And yet, he still has a song in his heart. Now, let me tell you about this, this where it says they sung a hymn. That word hymn, it's the, uh, the Greek word humneo. And it means exactly what, it, what you'd think, you know, to sing a hymn or to, or to sing a song. But I, I did some more digging on this. And this phrase here where it says, sung a hymn. Now, I don't understand all the nuances of the Greek or the Hebrew language. 
But according to uh, those who do understand the, you know, the intricacies of the Greek language, that phrase sung a hymn in the Greek is referred to as a participle. And it literally means hymning. H-Y-M-N-I-N-G. Hymning. In other words, it wasn't just that they sang a hymn. They were hymning. In other words, they were singing more than just one song. More than just one hymn. They were having a praise service. And I think I know, after further research, what they may have been singing. And I'm going to show you here in a little bit. So when you read this, it's not like they sat around and sang, Just as I am. And, of course, just as I am, that's like 5,000 verses. So, no, they wouldn't have sung that. And it wasn't like they sang, you know, when the roll is called up yonder or Jesus saves. Or They sang something else. But they sang more than just one song. It wasn't this. this because I remember for years I read this. And in my mind, I'm imagining, you know, you know, these 12 gruff men sitting around singing a song and then get up and they walk out. It's like, oh, that's, no, no, that wasn't it at all. They had a smile on their face. They were rejoicing. Now, in further research, uh, the Mishnah, the Mishnah is like a collection of mm, Jewish traditions, history, a lot of things like that. In other words, it's not a part of the Bible. It's what they documented as they went on in life. That's really over oversimplification. But anyway, according to the Mishnah, the uh, the people that the Jews used for the singers and the musicians, like what we would call a praise team, they basically were not allowed to be a part of the praise team unless they had gone through training. In other words, the singers had to be taught how to sing. And the musicians had to be taught how to play their instruments. They didn't just take people who thought they knew how to sing or thought they knew how to play an instrument and put them up there in the synagogues or wherever to help facilitate the singing, the praise and the worship. They didn't do that. You had to go through training in order to serve the Lord in that capacity. And the reason for it was because they saw it as serving God. Let me kind of put it this way. When somebody would want to, I want to be on a praise team. You know, they would sit them down. Now, I'm creating a scenario here, okay? They'd sit them down and say, you need to understand. When you get up there and you start singing and playing that instrument, you're not just doing it in front of us. You have stepped before the throne of Almighty God. You need to understand, you, you have to know what you're doing. And the person who's in charge, you know, because they would have teachers and in the services, like what we would call like the worship leader. So they tell them, you need to understand, when the worship leader says to do something, you bless God, do it. You, you don't goof off. You do what you're told to do. Because this is unto Almighty Jehovah. You're standing before God. You may be in front of the people, but the way we see it, you're before the very throne of God. And therefore, you will sing on pitch. You will learn how to harmonize. You will, you'll know what you're doing when you're up there. Now, some people would say, well, it sounds to me like you're just getting a bunch of professionals up there. That wasn't the goal. The goal 
was to honor the Lord. And and based on what I researched, they didn't put up with people on on the what we would call the praise team who carry their attitude in with them every week. They didn't put up with that garbage. You'd be out on your ear because there was no place for that stuff as, as far as they were concerned. No, you are serving Almighty God and you are facilitating praise and worship unto Almighty God. We're just there joining with you. But they took it seriously. And so what happened was, if people wanted to be a part of this, they had to go through training. And the training lasted, on the average, five years. You had to go to singing school or instrument school for about five. Now, that I couldn't find where you couldn't do anything until the five years or if you were really good, the three years, or if you needed extra help, the seven years, or whatever. I couldn't find anything where it said they never participated until it was completely over. But you had to be in this training. It was a school. You went to school for this. In other words, you went to practice and rehearsal like it was school. And if you wanted to do it, see, it was an honor and it was a privilege. Nowadays, in a lot of churches, you got people, they want to be a part of the praise team. They don't want to go along with the rules, the regulations, the expectations. They want to do it their way. No. No. And again, we're not looking for people who are so trained and so good they can play with the best orchestra or sing in the best opera. That's not it. It is taking this seriously to worship Almighty God. This is the pattern that's in Scripture. And so um, they had these schools. Now, here's what's interesting. According to, uh, again, the, the Jewish historians, it seems as though there was this, this increase of the, the schooling for the singers and the musicians right about the time Samuel started serving as a prophet. And there are a lot of the, uh, the Jewish historians who are firmly convinced that Samuel is the one who first initiated what we refer to as the school of the prophets. But it was not just a school of the prophets. It was also a music school. And so they would have, and I don't know exactly the, the format in these uh, because a lot of that they have lost the documentation. Whatever. Anyway, they would have let's just say prophet classes. I'm just making those terms up, okay? They had prophet classes, but then they also had singer classes, and then they also had instrument classes. And so people are there at these locations. Now, you can see some minor references to some of this over in um, 1 Samuel 10 and 1 Samuel chapter 19 because apparently the two schools that he started, one was located in Gibeah and one was located in Nioth. I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce it or not. But it is believed that Samuel was the one who really got this started. And it was not, again, just for the prophets. And you had to go through screening. They had to, they had to truly believe those Samuel and those who were in charge uh, with him. And then after him, as years went by, they had to truly believe that God was going to use you as a prophet. or that, you, know, you didn't even get in prophet school. And the singer school... And the instrument school, it was open. 
Anybody could come in. Because eventually, the people who couldn't sing or really couldn't play, they kind of would weed themselves out. So it was open to anybody. You want to be a part of this? Fine. Come on. Join the school. You have to show up for practice. You have to show up for rehearsal. You have to learn how to sing harmony. Or you're, you have to learn how to sing this. You have to learn how to play. You have to learn how to do this proficiently. Because when you step out there, you might as well imagine you are standing before God when you do this. And you need to get it right. That's how seriously they took this. And when you go through and continue to read in the Old Testament, you'll see references to people who pretty much their service was singing and playing instruments. That's what they did. Well, the, um, the whole aspect of these schools continued from Samuel went all the way up to uh, Elijah and Elisha. Now, beyond that, it starts getting kind of fuzzy as far as the records are concerned. But they're very confident that Samuel, he, he really started these schools. And it continued for the centuries all the way up to Elijah and Elisha. And then after that, it maybe began to tail off or, or, or whatever. But look over in Second uh, Second Kings. And again, we'll come back to Matthew in just a minute. Look over in Second Kings chapter 3. Second Kings chapter 3. See, one of the things that the, um, according to the Jewish historians, one of the things that was stressed as far as the school of the prophets, and I found this extremely interesting, and, and again, they believe it, it started with Samuel. The prophets were taught, and it was stressed, the need for worship to set the atmosphere for them to hear God and begin to prophesy. The worship needed to come first before they would begin to operate prophetically. Now, there is a belief that David attended one of these singing instrument schools because of some of the things that are written in Psalms and some of the things that are written about him. Okay, remember when uh, Saul was tormented by a spirit and they brought David into play? He was playing prophetically. And then the spirit would leave Saul? Okay, we pick this up in 2 Kings. You're going to see an example of this. 2 Kings chapter 3 in verse 1. Now Jehoram the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel and Samaria the 18th year of Jehoshaphat king of Judah and reigned 12 years. And he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and like his mother, for he put away the image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. And Mesha, king of Moab, was a sheepmaster and rendered unto the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs and a hundred thousand rams with the wool. But it came to pass, when Ahab was dead, that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And king Jehoram went out of Samaria at the same time and numbered all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab hath rebelled against me. Wilt thou go with me against Moab to battle? And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art, my people as thy people, and my horses as thy horses. And he said, Which way shall we go up? And he answered, The way through the wilderness of Edom. 
So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom, and they fetched a compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the host and for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hands of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shephat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And now, in other words, what he's saying is, Hey, since when are you depending on God? Now all of a sudden, you know, you're coming and you want God to bail you out? Why don't you go back and listen to all those prophets that your mommy and your daddy, okay, his mom and dad, you know, Ahab and that bunch over there. And uh, now there's a point to this. Prophets don't always have to be nice to people. There are times when you need to look at people and, and call it what it is and tell them the what for and the how come and your mama and whatever else. I mean, just. <laughs> now, I'm not saying you be mean, but there are times people need to be confronted. Well, anyway, um, and the, verse 13, and the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them unto the, into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And beyond this point, you can read what he began to prophesy. Okay, now. This right here, along with what I've shared to this point, should help us understand how critically important worship is to condition our spirit to hear from God. Now, I taught on this years ago. Worship is absolutely critical for every single believer to hear from God. I just wish I could hear God. God, where are you? God, you know what? Why don't you start worshiping God and create that atmosphere Training your spirit to begin to listen to Him, to begin to hear Him. Well, turn back over to Matthew 26. Now, once again in Matthew 26, Jesus and His uh, disciples, they're together, and it's uh, the time for the Feast of the Passover. And then it, we, we already read where it says that uh, when they had sung a hymn, there Matthew 26, verse 30, when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And I've already explained to you how that phrase, sung a hymn, it, it actually in the English could be said to mean hymning. Or in other words, singing more than just one song. Well, in doing some more research, one of the things that the Jews did during Passover was sing what is called the Hallel. Now, the Hallel consists of Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. And what would happen is they would sing Psalm 113 and Psalm 114 during the observance, the actual observance of the Passover. And then as soon as the observance was over, they would sing Psalm 115 through 
Psalm 118. So because this was at the Passover when this happened, it's more than likely, though we cannot prove it in Scripture, but based upon Jewish history and tradition, the singing of the Hallel at Passover was an expected thing among the Jews. They were eating the Passover meal, which means they more than likely were singing the Hallel. So let's turn over to Psalm 113. And let's find out what they were singing. See, when we read in the book of Psalms, we read it like a book, and we don't think in terms of what we read being a song. But for the Jews, this was very much a song. Maybe not every psalm, but very much a song. I mean, that's why it's called Psalms. <laughs> psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, okay? Now, the way that this would be done is similar to the way that Moses led the children of Israel in singing there in Exodus 15, what we saw earlier. So here we are in Psalm 113. So the, the um, just say the rabbi or whoever was leading would stand up and he'd say, Praise the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And then they would repeat, Praise the Lord. And then they would go through this and sing it. Now, this was a song, what we're seeing here. Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. This was something Jesus Himself sang. He was raised on this. So what we're going to do tonight, we're not going to, to sing it. We're going to read this. And as we do, try to be focused on this and realize this is, again, what you could call a type of prophetic declaration set to music. But if you listen, well, you know, people talk about read between the, read between the lines. If you read this as, as we're going through it and pay close attention, you're going to see the prophetic nature as it relates to the body of Christ. Now, as we go through, I want you out loud to read this with me. Those of you at home, uh, you can do the same. So beginning Psalm 113, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high, who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of, ch of children. Praise ye the Lord. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back. The mountains skipped like rams and the little hills like lambs. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? Thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back. Ye mountains, that ye skipped like rams, and ye little hills like lambs. Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turned the rock into a standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. 
Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name. Give glory for Thy mercy and Thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet they have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both great and small. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath He given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. I love the Lord, because He hath heard my voice and my supplications, because He hath inclined His ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon Him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. The Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and He helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. O Lord, truly I am Thy servant. I am Thy servant and the son of Thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. O praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. For His merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, because His mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that His mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that His mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that His mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. 
All nations compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. The gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused has become the head headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even under the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Please stand. Let's just praise the Lord for a moment. Praise your name, Jesus. Glory and honor to you, Jesus. Glory and praise to you, Jesus. I will praise you, Jesus. I will praise you, Jesus. Your mercy endureth forever. Your mercy endureth forever. Glory, glory, glory and honor unto you, my God, my Lord, my Savior, I praise thee. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you, Jesus. I praise your holy name, Lord. Glory and praise unto you, O God. I love you. I honor you. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Glory to you, Father God. I honor you. I bless you. I praise you, Lord. Blessing and honor to you, Lord. Glory and praise to your holy name. We worship you. We worship you. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, O God. You are great. You are great. You are great. And you are faithful. You save us. You deliver us. You bless us. You watch over us. You protect us. You are our source. We bless you. We praise you, O God. We honor you. We glorify you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Your mercy endures forever. Your mercy endures forever. We worship you. We glorify your holy name. Praise and honor to you, Jesus. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. I love you. I glorify you, Jesus. I bless your name, Lord. I bless your name, Jesus. Glory and glory and glory to you. And glory and more glory to you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord God. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. I will praise you. I will praise you. I will praise you. I will praise you, Jesus. I will praise you. I bless you. I honor you. I glorify you. 
You, O God, are the Lord. You have shown us Your salvation. I bless You. I give You thanks, O God. You are good and Your mercy endureth forever. Praise You. Praise You, Lord Jesus. Praise You, Lord Jesus. I trust in You. I do not put my confidence in man. I trust in You. I bless You. I honor You. I glorify You, Jesus. Praise Your name, Lord God. Praise You, Father. Praise You, Father. You are my strength. You are my song. You have become my salvation. Blessing and honor to You, Jesus. Praise You. Praise You. Praise You, Lord. Bless You. Hallelujah. 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 I will raise a hallelujah. Bless You, Lord. Praise You. Praise You, Jesus. Glory and honor to You, Jesus. Glory and praise to You, Jesus. Praise Your name. Praise Your name. Praise Your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory to You, Jesus. Praise Your name, Lord. Praise You, Jesus. I worship You. Praise You, Lord Jesus. Bless Your name. Bless Your name. Bless Your name, Lord. Bless Your name. Bless You, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord. Praise You, Lord Jesus. Praise You, Lord. Glory, glory, glory to Your name, Jesus. Glory, glory to You. I do offer to You the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. Bless Your name, Jesus. Bless You, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank You, Father. Thank You for tonight, Father. Thank You for tonight, Father. We really don't know the fullness of what's going to happen where we're headed. But we have your promises. And you can't lie. That means whatever you've promised, it's going to happen. Everything that we read tonight, Father, out of the Psalms, it's prophetically about us as well. I know it was relative to the people back then. But Father, it's truth. And it's still alive today. It's still alive today. I thank You so much for this. I praise You, Father. I glorify Your name. I bless You, Father. I praise You. And I thank You, Father, for working in our midst in such a way to where, Father, what happened here tonight, this won't be the first time. But, Father, we'll do things like this in the future. We don't want to just program it and make it a work of the flesh. But we want to be led of the Spirit. Because, Father, we want to get to the place to where we worship You with total abandonment of emotion, whether we have instruments playing or not. That we just open up and just praise You and just worship You. We'll sing in the Spirit and sing with the understanding whether we have instruments or not. We will worship You, Father, we're going to we're going to follow this this legacy, Father, of worship that's revealed in Scripture, because you've revealed it to us for the purpose of instructing us. And I thank you for it, Father. We are headed in such wonderful places, and I know it gives you joy as well. We don't know how good it's going to be, but we know it is going to be good. I thank you, and Father. Again, I just say that we are a remnant revival church that we are being used of You by virtue of the fact that we are submitting to You. And Father, I say, may all these churches in this region 
I say, may they have revival as well. Because I know that's what you want. And I thank you, Father, for, for just where we are right now in you, how far we've come, but where we're headed. Prepare our hearts and minds for what you want to do this coming Sunday. And Father, we're open to your move. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Flood this place with the presence of God changing the atmosphere. Father, I want your presence to be so strong in here that when people walk in, they sense you in such a way that they'll know this is a place where God dwells. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. Father, folks, just just wait on the Lord for a moment because He's doing a work in every single person here and, and those watching. Let's just wait on the Lord. Just give Him some time. Be still and know that I am God.